newcomers to the Episcopal Church quickly discover that we have special words for just about everything. Everything has its own name. This room is called the nave. And the foyer at the back of the nave is the narthex, right? This colorful, beautiful uh, cape-like vestment that Jeannie is wearing as the presider is called a chasuble. And the napkin that we use to wipe the rim of the chalice, where's my altar gill? Purificator. Purificator, there we go. And you may have noticed that in your worship bulletin each week, there are certain prayers that are identified as colics. Now, every single Sunday in the church year has its very own collect. And in at least one, probably three or four past sermons, I have professed to you with all sincerity that the collect for that particular Sunday was my favorite collect. But really, I swear to you, the collect for today truly is my favorite collect in the entire prayer book. Let's have a look at it. I love this colic for its focus on the Holy Scriptures. It reminds us that the Scriptures are a gift from God. And in a carefully curated crescendo, it reminds us how we are to engage the Scriptures with all of our senses. Grant us so to hear, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them. Yes, in other words, Scripture is the very food of our spiritual lives, nourishment for our souls, just like the bread and the wine of the Eucharist. Yes, we are assured by this collect, and perhaps its most important point is that if we feast on God's holy word, we will find the blessed hope of everlasting life, that Jesus offers us. However, if you were listening carefully this morning, you would be excused if you thought twice before taking a bite out of these particular scriptures. Yes, you did in fact hear the prophet Zephaniah say that he will bring such destruction upon people that their blood will be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. God bless Adam, our lector, who read the words of Zephaniah this morning. Not an easy passage. All I will say about Zephaniah for this morning is that I promise, we just heard the beginning. If you read to the very end, it has a very happy ending. So read it when you get home. But for this morning, I'd like to focus us on our gospel passage, which is equally as distressing upon first glance. In these last three Sundays of the church year, last Sunday, today, and next Sunday, the Gospel of Matthew is serving us a diet of rather intense fire and brimstone parables that are setting the stage for the Advent season that is almost upon us. And each of these three parables has a common goal. Their purpose is to prepare us, to teach us how to live as we anticipate the day of judgment, as we wait as faithful followers of Jesus for him to return. And these three parables employ the same literary device to impart their wisdom. Each of them 
distinguishes their characters, their central characters, into two categories. Those who choose the right way to live and those who choose the wrong way. Those who find favor on the last day and those who are left weeping and gnashing their teeth. You may remember that last Sunday we met the foolish bridesmaids, the ones who did not bring enough oil to keep their lamps burning. But then we also met the wise bridesmaids, the ones who went oil shopping early before the holiday sales and had plenty of oil to keep their lamps burning until the master returned. And then next Sunday, livestock, two categories of livestock will take center stage as the main characters in our parable. But I'm gonna let Gabriel talk to you about sheep and goat, goats next Sunday. But for now, what we're dealing with today are two good and trustworthy servants and one wicked and lazy servant. And as the parable goes, the master parcels out lavish sums of money to each of these three servants. Remember, in the ancient Near East, a talent was equal to more or less 20 years wages, okay? So this first servant, the one that received five talents, received a lifetime of earnings. And then the second servant, the one who only received two talents or a measly 40 years in earnings, well, they both double their money. And upon the master's return, they are rewarded and invited to enter the joy of their master. Whereas the third servant, the one who dug a hole and hid his talent in the ground, well, he is cast out into the outer darkness. I don't know about you, but I find this parable very disorienting for many reasons. But primarily because when it comes to investing, I value prudence and risk aversion. I don't know if there is anyone else out here that feels the same way, but it makes me really want the master to applaud the third servant for his caution, right? I mean, sure, the other two servants doubled their money, but what an incredible risk they must have taken. We don't hear what would have happened if their luck had gone the other way and they had lost everything. Surely the master wouldn't have been so happy then. But here is the problem. When I try and contort this parable into a story about prudent investing, I miss the lesson that Jesus is trying to teach me about discipleship. Because, well, the economics of his kingdom, well, they have an entirely different set of values. Jesus did not live a cautious life. Indeed, the story of the life and ministry of Jesus is really one big story of a high-risk venture. Consider where Jesus is right in today's Gospel of Matthew in the passage that we heard. He has left the safety of Galilee to enter Jerusalem. He has just confronted the very antagonistic religious authorities, and very soon he will go face to face with the Roman Empire. And for all his risk-taking, it will cost Jesus his life. Yes, Jesus 
risked it all for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the kingdom he came to proclaim. Jesus chose with reckless abandon to feed the hungry, to cure the sick, and to bless the meek. Jesus doubled down. You could say Jesus went all in for the sake of a world where the hungry were fed and the rich were sent away empty, where the lowly were lifted up and the mighty are cast down from their thrones, a world where the last would be first and the first would be last. If we have ears to hear this parable, we will discover that risk-averse living is not an option for us if we want to be disciples of Jesus. That in God's kingdom, the greatest risk of all is not to risk anything. In other words, if we insist on our prudence, if we give ourselves over to our fear, we might just miss out on that everlasting life, that abundant life that Jesus promises us. Because loving as Jesus calls us to love is risky business. I wonder where, my friends, you might be hiding your talents in the ground. I wonder where fear is holding you back from doing the work of the gospel. I wonder what we, as a community of Jesus followers, might discover if we were willing to embrace this parable and consider what wisdom it has to teach us at this very moment in our life as a community. I imagine certainly that having raised considerable money for our capital campaign, that it might have something to teach us as we start to spend our talents. Because as you may have heard, we have earmarked a generous $500,000, possibly more, for outreach, for kingdom work. What would it look like if as we spent this money, we used this parable as our blueprint? If we were willing to hear, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest this blessed gift of Holy Scripture, what might we be willing to risk for the sake of the kingdom?